I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets, internets, internets. Internets. The Internets podcast brings you a special guest right now. Latina. Hold on, hold on. Don't do that. Entertainment executive. No, no, no. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm sorry. I have a I'm sorry. problem with the word Latina. Black Tina. Black Tina. Black Tina. No, you know what it is? No, Black Tina? Nothing in my heritage is, is connected to Latin America. Mm. So, so I don't understand it. I don't want to make this about that, but I'm just saying. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, and, and here I am trying to put you in a, in a box. Trying to put me in a box. When, when you're too big to be put in a box. Mm-hmm. You're too big to be defined by just any kind of thing like that. But, but you will be a lawyer one day. Don't you put are an entertainment executive currently. Thank you. I mean, and those are not boxes. Those are, even that's a temporary title because you're an entrepreneur and you're moving on to executive producing big things. Okay. Also, I want to say you're about to be a birthday girl. As a matter of fact, when this podcast gets aired, you will, you, will have, you will have started a new year. I'm excited for you because- Hold up, hold up, hold up, stop. You're a Gemini? Yes, of course. Can I get a fist bump? Can we get a, I know you're gonna mess this up, but. Yeah, <laughs> take Gemini. Yeah, so, so I, know that. I, I tell everybody oh. for their new year, you know, do something brand new that you've never yeah. done before. Add that into your, into your repertoire, into your resume. You know, congratulations. Internet, we've got the, the irrepressible Kim Osorio. Kim, what's going on, first of all? What is, like, like you're just gonna be beautiful forever? Ah, uh, thank you, that's so nice. And you acknowledged my birthday. I feel so special right now. You, you're gonna I just be beautiful that. forever? I know that's the pacify them persecute. I know what you're doing. Okay, okay, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm coming, you think I'm coming for you? You think I'm coming for you? I know what you're I'm doing. I'm not, no, I'm not at all. I'm always ready. Not at all, not at all, not at all, not at all. You, you've got past all that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're the winner. You try and pass all that. And, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to talk to you about what you got planned for the future. Thank you. I needed some beautiful energy here, Kim. So we got you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a long time coming, too. Um, you know, I know we tried to get you on the Combat Jackson prior to him passing. And then, um, like, I, like, we talked in the text, like, you know, I bumped bump, bump heads with you a couple times at the studio. And, um, and now we're here. Yes, this feels like here? a fun podcast. This is a fun podcast, huh? Yeah, I want us Absolutely. to have fun. <laughs> I want us to have fun in the space today. Let's have uh, fun. Um, do, do, you want us, do you want us to go over the fun history of growing up in the Bronx? If you want, you can ask me questions. Or I mean, there was a lot. There's a, there's a lot there. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot in my background. Yeah. So it would take well, all For a second, I, I was about to call you uh, a Latina entertainment executive, and you were like, hold on for a second, don't put me too much in the Latina box. But honestly, have you ever been to Orchard Beach? <laughs> <laughs> Not in a long time. Okay, okay, boom. Not in a the, long time. The fact that you've been to Orchard Beach at all, I'm telling you, anybody, I don't care what your background is, you go to Orchard Beach during the summer, part of you is Latin. You can't help it. <laughs> You can't help it. Listen, all right. That's what they, that's what they father, said about La Marina. Now listen, my father is wow. Puerto Rican. My mm-hmm. father is Puerto Rican. He, mm-hmm. 
used to take me to Orchard Beach. I remember that. We did that. And then in my teen years, I absolutely hung out at Orchard Beach. I never swam in the water. Who swims at Chocha Beach? Listen, I think they were cleaning it up. I don't want to put the Bronx down. Like, I think that they were, <laughs> I don't know if you can swim there now. There was a whale in the Hudson a couple years ago. I don't know That's if you right. can, I don't know if you can swim I remember there. that. I mean, I don't know where all the dirt goes, but it, apparently they, they, they cleaned it up. So, yeah. you know, kudos to Orchard <laughs> Beach. But I want to say that Puerto Rico is not in Latin America. It's in mm. the Caribbean. Okay. Okay. It's in the Caribbean. So that's, that's just the idea of, and then and then my mother is half black, half Chinese. So I don't speak a lick of Spanish. So Damn. so for me, when I when I'm put into that, it's very confusing for me. I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't understand brown, beige. I don't get. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Colors. I'm Bronx. Oh, no. Take that, take that, take that. You just, just a, that's a just good. A that's a good point, though. That's a good point. So that, that, that's, on the low, Puerto Rico on the low, is, that was a deep point. On the Puerto low, Rico is in the, Puerto Rico is in the Caribbean, so she's Caribbean, essentially, right? I, first I, of all, first of all, real talk. My grandfather right. was from China. I don't know where he's from. I mean, I did the <laughs> DNA test. One okay. drop and you black. All right, one drop and you black. Right, so th then, then, then I did the DNA test and I found out my mother's side of the family is mostly from Cameroon. So, mm -hmm. yeah, have y'all done your DNA? That's so, black, black. I, no, no, I'm, not, I'm not giving them my blood. I, I, I don't want to go too good. deep. <laughs> I don't want to go too deep. Here we my go. Bad. go. I don't want to go too deep, but there's a, there's a distinct difference between DNA and genealogy. Yes. And I think a lot of people look for genealogy and DNA. Mm. Well, you can't. You have to go through. You have to really research your your, your elders and your great grandparents and on and on and on to get the genealogy aspect. And the I have. DNA, I've right. gone oh, back to the okay. 1700s. Yeah. 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 Me too. Me I too. Have. Okay. I, 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 my earliest on my mom's side, we go to. I, I, so far, I've gotten to um, the mid 1700s in South Carolina. I got. St. The, I got the mid 1700s in South Carolina too. Wow. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to check my shit. What you talking about, out, cousin? Word. I don't want to find no. I don't want to find no 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 traces of white shit in my shit. I mean, I'm light skinned enough, so I know it's there. You're gonna find it. I, You're gonna find I, it right away. I just gotta look at the pictures of my great grandfather. Yeah. Wait. He's probably white. Scott. Hey, my mother used Scottish. to say. Yeah, my mother used to say that she had Irish in her, you mm. know, family way back, and um, there was there was like a percentage of Ireland. In there, of, yeah, of course, of course. Think about it. I, the Irish people that they, they had to really shape those people up when they came in because they was they was running from a famine. Ireland had a crazy famine, so when they came over here, they was just happy to be here. And they was like, "Damn, now we gotta we gotta fuck with we gotta kick these black people's asses." And the white people that was here was like, "Yes, you can't <laughs> intermix with these motherfuckers. You have to kick their ass." And the Irish people was like, "Why?" And they was like, "Cause we got a whole thing going on here." So at first, the Irish people wasn't really fucking with it. But then the white people that was here was like, listen, y'all niggas not going to get to become white unless y'all kick these niggas' asses. So then the Irish was like, well, fuck it. We done left for famine. Might as well just, you know, keep our trajectory moving upward. But when the Irish first got here, the Irish was like, yo, we with the black side because it's more litty. It parties harder. <laughs> the music is jamming more. Listen, find an Irish person in general. They, they, they fucks with the black hard body. Iris, the Scott, they'd be like, fuck the British. Fuck them white mine. motherfuckers. 
I have mine. I have mine on my, not that you guys want to see it. That's dope. How long did it take you to do research? Um, I did it for a few months because, so a bunch of um, people in my family were doing it and we were, I guess, looking for answers. And we found, like, can we talk about everything? We can talk <laughs> oh, about okay. anything. No, no, no. Yeah. Whatever. We're unfiltered. Unfiltered. No, I can't. Like, you know, uh, we were finding, like, cousins. Yep. Yep. Like, who you find? I know exactly. Find? I know exactly. Cousins that find? marry other cousins? No, like, you uh, know. Cousins that own cousins? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, cousins that you didn't know were there. Oh, those cousins. Yeah, the what cousins that cousins own cousins. Now, she's talking about the cousins that you didn't know they were cousins. You thought they were just the neighbors from down the block, but they was actually no. Well, no. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, like we she found. She's talking about the slave owners. We found <laughs> family we didn't know we had. Yes. Right. Did you and ever so, reach out? Did you ever reach out to them? Oh yeah. no. Oh wow. Oh, what was that experience like? Enlightening. Mm. They looked Oof. just like us. Wow. So it, it was as That's awkward dope. as you imagined it would be. Um, wasn't awkward, but you know, it's deep. It was deep. Mm, it was right. deep. They were looking for their parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Got you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got you. So wait, this is something else. This is not cousins that own cousins. This is just cousins who. This were... is this is cousins that didn't realize. Oh shit! My parents was niggas. No, this is oh. people who might have been put up for. Gotcha. No, talk about it. Talk Got about it. it. Don't... I can't. This is people okay. having outside the families. Because everybody doesn't know it's family stuff. And everybody uh, I got you. Know. I got you. I got you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so, I'm sorry. So, so, then I don't want to. Then I don't want to. Then I don't want to elaborate. Then because yeah, just just know that we found things in our family that we didn't know existed. Dig it. Yeah. Happens. Dig it. Right. <laughs> and so I, but then there's like other, there's, I found cousins that were like third cousins that looked just like me, even on my father's side. Um, you know, and it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. And they like grew up in the Bronx, not too far from me. And I never knew them my entire life. What's, what's kind of freaky if you, if you really nail it down and think about it, it's like, it's only like four people that came to this country. All right. And everybody is related to them. <laughs> <laughs> Some type well, of way. The, well, that's the, that's the other part of it, right? That's the other part of the story is, you know, you got the alleged slave slave story, but then we were here too, already. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if we could go back to the 1700s in South Carolina, chances are the probability is high that you could probably go further and we'll still be in South Carolina. What part of mm. South Carolina did you figure S that out? Because I know Saint mine. Saint Matthews. Mine was Union. Mm. 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 Actually, my family is doing a, they did a, uh, it's called a plantation cemetery. And oh, wow. they, did, they did a cleanup. And we're supposed to be going down there in August, depending on how everything is or whatever, but um, to find more information. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and I don't know, it's just, it's just crazy. Well, but I encourage I, everybody. I, I, to... I don't know if you should go on that trip, King, because the way shit is tilting, <laughs> yeah. may, you may go to South Carolina and be like, yeah, listen. Y'all was part of the people that was down here. Guess what? 
Y'all, y'all kidnapped. Y'all staying down here. We need more slaves. Everyone is always looking for answers about who they are and where they come from. It's important. Mm -hmm. Very important. Facts. facts, I couldn't go back past the 1700s. You got to go to get uh, the state, the county county clerk's office and maybe get some uh, census records. Or go to the Mormons. The Mormons got them records. Mm. Oh, you know what else I found out? They do. They have slave records. On my father's side, I had like, like cousins that were also like, you know, there was like that mix and stuff in the family. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, because that's, my mother, legit. because my mother would say, and she would say it loosely, not with any evidence, but she was like, don't be surprised if you dig too far, you find out that, because back then the community was a little bit smaller. Yeah. So, the chances are, you know, it, it, you know, you might have did it. You might have, you know. I, listen, I'm I'm no creep or nothing, but if you was my cousin, Kim. Oh God. Here we <laughs> go. I'm just saying. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine back in the 1600s, you had a cousin like him? Here, look, look at my ethnicity. It, it goes on too. You see it? Hold on. Oh, that's the Dai, Cameroon, Congo, and Southern Bantu peoples, Nigeria. So, that's blackity black. Mali, Vietnam, black. indigenous Puerto Rico, China, mm. Wales, and Northern Europe. That ain't Damn. even it. Hold on. Let me get the second page. Jesus. 1%, 1%, 3%. You see it? It's mm. a lot. Right. Yeah. So those are all the areas that share your, D, your genetic your DNA. Your, you know? mm. A lot of nothing. So when you say <laughs> Latina, I'm like, none right. of those countries are even Latin American. Wait, mm. let me look. I mean, but mm. who cares, right? I don't even. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, ah. I mean, for for the ideas of representation, Kim, because again, you know, you also come from a time when, you know, you made first inside spaces that never had a face like yours. Right. So I mean, for purposes of representation, and for the people coming behind you. Because really, right. ultimately, that, that's really what it's for. It's, it's for the people down the road that say, oh, snap. You know, wow, I look like Kim Osorio. And she right. was able to do these things. You know what I mean? So, you know, if, if someone is able to do these things and looks the way she does, then I don't have to be relegated to being simply a pretty face. I can be right. a beautiful mind. I would so, like to be a beautiful mind. But I mean, you are, you're a lawyer. For, <laughs> you are going to be a lawyer. I know, but a lot of people have a law degree. I like to think about, <laughs> you know, just in terms of people who know me, know me. Right. They get to know me. That's all. Now let's go. Mm. I'm not going to talk about myself. What you want to know? <laughs> that's, that's what we want to know. That's what we want to know. We want to get to know. We want to get to know you. I'm very sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Is, is that is that a Gemini thing, King? No, that's a Bronx thing. I think that's a and Gemini. Okay. All right. She's she's right. She's right. She's mm-hmm. right. So, so I mean, <laughs> so so let's talk about Kim right here this time moving forward. What, what do you see on the horizon for yourself? Because you know things are wide open for you. You think development so? wise? I well, I think so. I think so. I think so. I'm I mean, so it, glad you said that. So since I've been home, I've been doing what I do best, which is write. And I think yes. that in my, um, you know, just time over the last, I guess, six, 
I'm, I've actually been in television for a long time now. I've been in television since 2005. Remember, I worked at BET for six years yep. on the digital side. And then I, you know, went to do a lot of scripting for shows for VH1 um, before I went and crossed over into the reality space. So I've been working in TV for a long time. But, like, I think that storytelling is really the base of anything that I do, whether it's TV, online, reality, documentary stuff, you know, um, you know, just feature writing, whatever it is, it's always about telling stories. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. what I love to do. So I've been able to be home over the last couple of um, months and develop a lot of the projects that I have been putting on hold just because I call myself so busy since I'm on set most of the time. Um, And that's been really refreshing. That's that's what we want to hear. That's what I want to hear. So, I mean, you've been using the time to just d- develop all these stories that you've been holding in the back yep. of your mind, in the back of your head. Um, do you want to move? Do you want to stay in the TV space? Do you yeah. want to move up to, you want to stay in the stay, TV space? I want to stay in visual storytelling. So mm-hmm. if that's TV, if that's film, that's, you know, where I would like to be. Um, I really feel like there are a lot of stories now that need to be told and people have yep. begun to tell them. But um, I want to do it in a compelling way, in a way that's, you know, educational as well as entertaining. Um, And I do believe that we can do that. I feel like, you know, with me, whenever I used to write articles, even at the source, I always used to like inject a little bit of of myself into the story. And then I felt like you had to leave the story with some sort of personal um, gain from it, like something that opened your eyes. Right. Um, I like to do that as well. So that's, you know, that's what my goal is in order to um, keep going in the space, uh, keep telling stories that are compelling, entertaining, but also with a point. Right. You was like when you up- after you watch something and then you want to change the world like that. So you, you was brought up in that dope era where you went home after school and you caught the ABC after school show. And it was like, you know, it was it was compelling. It was exciting. And then at the end of it, it was like, oh, shit, don't be racist. Or, right. oh, shit, you know, right. take you care of good. yourself. Even yeah. if you think back to sitcoms, right? Like, the way that sitcoms were scripted and when you watched things like Different Strokes or The Facts of Life or, you know, um, just all of these shows that we consumed growing up, you know, you always came out of it with, like, some sort of lesson, I feel like. There was always that feeling and so i don't know if we give that anymore i I don't think we do i i I think one that's very expensive development wise yes i I think you have to have people that know how to tell stories that way and why would you hire those people if you can hire people who don't and um who get him get paid a lot less Or, or basically who could just basically film dysfunction because I mean, let's let's yeah. be honest with you. Whether it's on, on television, whether it's online, eyeballs love dysfunction. Mm. Eyeballs love this this constant strum and drang of people kind of like at each other's necks. Yeah, I mean, there's, for there's, lack there's, of a better word, there's relatability in the dysfunction, right? Just when you thought your shit was falling apart in your life, you can turn on the TV and be like, "Oh, their shit is." Can I curse on here? Yes, you can Absolutely. super curse. Right, like their shit is fucked up too. So right. that's, you know, that's part of the appeal of why we're drawn to certain stories on television right now, because the dysfunction um, 
makes you feel a little bit more normal. Mm. There's, there, Dallas, there's also something about uh, somebody made a point to me the other day because I've been tweeting about how we should cancel all uh, police shows, like or shows that feature the police as heroes, at least. Mm -hmm. And someone pointed out that back before the 60s, shows that feature police had them like inept and dumbasses and jokes. And then after the 60s, when you have a lot of civil unrest, et cetera, et cetera, all these shows come out where police become the hero. So it's kind of the same thing. It's like when you had sitcoms back in the day, they were giving you messages and whatnot. But now you just have sitcoms and reality TV that's not really giving you any messages to keep you, you know, just entertained but not educated. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't even think that we have sitcoms, situational comedies at this point. I mean, we, I, I just watch reality shows on television. I mean, what, there's tons what, of sitcoms, though. What, what's it? Oh, okay. I don't watch Blackish. Well, Blackish, right, okay. I do Black watch. Blackish, yeah. Black, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Although, although Blackish and even Black AF, I felt like both of those things were kind of contrived. I don't watch Blackish. Blackish is right. really good. Blackish had really good moments. Really, it had okay. a really good okay. season. Yeah. Solid, yeah. like exceptional. Dallas, you, you, you got to watch four episodes, man. Don't, don't don't just watch one and then cancel it out. Dallas, I couldn't get through one watching? episode of Blackish. Yeah, what, what are you watching, Dallas? I watch. Um, well, I mean, I don't watch. My wife watches, but I mean, I guess it'd be on while I'm. Yeah, here. you watch it. Okay, uh, Queer Eye, Queer Eye for the for the. Uh, it's called Queer Eye now because I don't think it's just Queer Eye for the straight guy. It's Queer Eye for, for whoever they, they, they yoke up and, and fix their whole life up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it could be a straight guy. It could be a gay. It's Queer Eye. So these five dudes, uh, you know. We know the, the premise. Straight. Okay. <laughs> but but, but, I, but my, wife, my wife loves it. And I say to her sometimes, I'm like, yo, do you see how they, what they be doing with the black guy on it? Like the single black guy on it, they be smacking him on the butt. They do all kind of stuff to this guy, man. Like he's, he's I the did guy. that too. <laughs> Those are two different he's the shows. guy they keep in the house in the in the leather suit in a box for during the taping of the TV show. That's when they let him out. But I, all right. So I'm watching Queer. I'm watching some Star Wars shit. Um, I I can't say that I watch Love and Hip Hop or any of those. Um, but I do. They are my guilty pleasure when I when I when I when I turn them off. I, like, I don't even know where the stories are. I just know right. when I turn them off, people going to be beefing and somebody going to get a drink thrown on them or something like that. So my, my, one of the ones that I do watch, I, I used to, I used to watch them many seasons ago, the love of hip hop, but I, um, I kind of like rotted that, but, um, black in Chicago is my shit. I did that last season, season five. Yo, salute. I EP'd that show. Nice. Like, get out of here. Yeah. yeah season five. It was yeah. the hardest show, hardest show I've ever done in terms of cast. Hardest show I've ever done. I feel like that particular show has a lot of more relatable ideas than some of the others. It, it's very real. It's very right. real because in order to produce that show with that cast, you have to get to their real emotions. Because they have family stuff going on. Like they've got so much heavy shit going yep. on in their lives in Chicago. Facts. Like there's so much stuff and you have to get to that. But when you go on set, because you're shooting every day at the mm. shop and you're like, okay, camera's up. They're like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. I'm like, just do, do you do what you do. And they, it doesn't, it doesn't work until 
there's a switch and something real happens and then all of a sudden you can't stop it from working anymore. It's like, mm. how do you, when you EP something, stop. <laughs> are, 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 you, are you, are you, do you I almost didn't go cast? back to, to Chicago one weekend. I, 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 one weekend, one Friday, I used to come home on the weekends yeah. And one Friday, it just got so bad. And I was like, I don't know if I can go back on Monday. I, I don't want to do wow. that. Yeah. Mm. That's a very real show when you see it on TV. Now, when you, you said you EP'd that show, executive produced that show. Now, yeah. did, did you pull a cast in? I mean, what does that entail? When, no, because when I, I, I was hired to show run that show for season five. So as I'm, I'm someone who I loan out my services, right? So like I go from show to show. Um, you can EP a show, obviously, by packaging the show, casting the show. Like right now in, um, you know, this time that I've been home, I've actually packaged the show together. So I have mm -hmm. a show that I'm pitching out, right? And that involves actually doing all of the legwork, right? Conceptualizing the show, developing the show, signing the cast to your production company, and then, you know, filming a sizzle reel, right? Like putting so, so that's, that's how you package a show. So now okay. my goal is to sell that show, right? And then not say deuces, because I would, I, would I would definitely want to be involved in every aspect of creative of something that I created. However, it's when you're hired as a showrunner, you're working for a production company, you know, you're, you're running a show that's already in existence. So like for Black Ink Chicago, I was show running yeah. the show, but I was hired by the production company to come on, to go out to Chicago, you know, to work with the staff that was there, to, you know, conceptualize. To tighten it up, to tighten it up. Yeah. Yep. You know, you're, you're running the show, um, but you didn't create that show, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a different grind because you're on set every day, you're with the cast, you're with your producers. Um, it's, it's a job. I got you. The, the, show, the showrunner is basically the ambassador for the production company that's making sure that, that you guys are hitting your marks, right. meaning, meaning you're getting the, the, the tape in that you need on right. time. Every, everything is right. basically going smooth. Yes. Right, right. Got you're, it. You're, got you're overseeing the production of the show, um, you know, and there are a lot of moving pieces to that. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim, I got a question. I don't know if you can even answer this, but I guess we'll, we'll see. Do they have She's a writers, lawyer, Ben. Do you have writers' rooms for reality TV shows? There's a story room, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Where we discuss the stories of the cast members and the insight that we collect from their very real lives. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Cam. Now, now, how was it? <laughs> Thank you, Cam. How was Thank it? Thank you, Cam. Put them in situations that mm they are already in or we build from those situations. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so everything is, and, and let me say this, let me say this mm -hmm. about reality, yep. right? And this I could say, uh, I would talk freely about this, right? Because yep. it's a TV show, you don't have the cameras up in people's lives every 24 seven and then you're editing the footage, right? That yep. would be like reality, right? You have to film scenes. Um, but most of the time, when there's guided situations from producers, they don't even make the cut. Because mm -hmm. if the emotion, a lot of these, the cast members aren't good actors. Actors, yeah, yep. mm. yeah. You don't get the magic in front of the camera 
until like I was explaining about Black Ink Chicago, until something real happens. Yeah. Gotcha. And then your camera's up and you're capturing that. And so, that's so, reality, right? Yeah. You, you, there, your there job really hit the cutting room floor all day long. It's like, let's try this, let's try to mm -hmm. put so and so you, with you, so and so. You, it doesn't work. Your job yeah. for a reality show though is is really to be kind of like a, a a counselor and say, all right, you know what? Let me get into this person okay. and find out what triggers them. And okay. then, oh, oh, someone's allergic to peanuts. Hey, I'm gonna put a whole bowl of peanuts in front of them. I that. would never do that. I don't mean. I don't mean. I there don't mean that is literally. a story like that behind. Uh, I don't mean that literally. Some other show that I wasn't on. There is a story. I would never do that. I would never put somebody's life in jeopardy. They no, said they used no, to pump no, pheromones no, no. on a uh, no, no, MTV no, no, Real no. World. <laughs> I they used to pump pheromones in through the uh, vents of the house. You know, I, I don't get that crazy. But you know, I think when you are producing, every every person is produced differently, right? Because mm -hmm. you want to get to their real emotions. You want to get a real reaction out of them. And a lot of times, you know, as you go from season to season, the more real that you get, the less likely they are to cooperate. And the bigger that they get, the larger the platform that they have, and some of them have, you know, millions and millions of followers, is when you get to that point where it's like, I'm not doing that. So it's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, well, scheduling you to come to set, I'm not doing that. And they think they can just come and talk. That's why a lot of people phase out. Like the, the lifespan for, I always tell cast members, like the lifespan for someone on reality TV is three years. If you've passed that, then you've mastered it. Then you know right. how to do. And a lot of these cast members who have been on the show season after season know how to produce their own story. Know mm -hmm. how to produce producers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Making up stories behind the scenes and if they're real in front of the camera, how do I know unless I'm doing my due diligence and I think the journalism or the journalist in me kind of comes out a lot because I'm like, wait a minute, that ain't real. You know, you've got to like, it, you are playing therapist all day long. You're trying to, everybody's trying to produce everyone in reality. Mm -hmm. From the cast to the producers, to the producers on top of the producers, to the executive producers, to the people. And it's just a whole mosh posh of producing each other all day it's long. It's a whole big mind fuck. It's it's all day long. Constantly. How was it? How how was it being on the other side of the lens when you were in the reality show? Well, some um, people gossip, didn't think. Oh, the gossip, gossip gossip girl. Game. Some game, people didn't think game. I was a good cast member because, and I I say this free. I'm like I'm not doing that. Mm. Okay, we're gonna do. I'm not doing that. Okay, I'll do that. And you know, like those are the people that they don't like to use on television. Because right. if you are, uh, I'm not doing that type of person, then they don't feel like they can put you in certain situations. And when you look at the people who have really, you know, been successful, it's the people who are like, I don't give a fuck. I will mm. do whatever. Put mm. me in front of whoever, you know, I will, you know, flip a table, throw a drink. And now there are a lot of, you know, especially on the shows that I work for now, there are a lot of rules and you can't do that anymore. Like nobody wants the liability of, you know, things when they really get crazy. Not mm -hmm. now. You can't do that anymore. You can't even have, you can't have certain things on set. Like, you know, we're not throwing glasses that could cut people up. No, we're not. Okay, no glass throwing, but wait a minute. You telling me no more cocaine on set? Because if no cocaine, I've I'm not, I'm not working. I've cocaine on set. I'm not working in reality then if I can't see Ever. some cocaine. I've never seen cocaine on set. I don't want to take it. I just want to see it. Well, maybe one. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I don't want to have none. I just want to be like, oh, this shit no. is lit. We no. got coke in here, y'all. <laughs> no, have, are those like the stories that you've heard? Uh, Way course. more exciting. Hollywood, Hollywood has to have cocaine. Okay. Has to have cocaine and heroin if it's Hollywood. Has to. Maybe because I've never worked in Hollywood. Nah, All the sets I've been on with... have been New York, <clears throat> Chicago, Miami. Pills? Pills? I never saw cocaine in ecstasy, Hollywood either. Ecstasy. You said you worked in Miami, Kim. There was definitely some ecstasy on sets. Had to be. Had. I'm sorry. But but, but but DP, that's an old that's an old school drug, bro. These young kids ain't using coke. They using other shit. They using Percocets and all that bullshit. From these days, they still sell that. Yeah. I, I, well, in, in yeah, a people form still of, do ecstasy. People still do that. That wasn't yeah. ecstasy. Remember when Molly was a thing? Remember when Molly was a thing? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Molly, Molly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly in Miami. First of all, Kim, listen, if you tell me that you have hung out in Miami, then I know already. So you ain't gotta we ain't gotta talk no further on that. Okay? What that gotta, like it what okay, fine, let's not go there. We ain't gotta talk no further, Kim. I'm just saying, I already know. Mm -hmm. I, you, don't, you don't have to tell you don't have to confess to me, Kim. All right. I'm a grown woman. She's a she, what I wanted. Okay. But, well, all right, well, well someone said talk about it. Someone said talk talk about Miami. Talk about LA. I, I mean, where? Because you, because you, you got you got a head on your shoulders. Where were you ever in a spot where you felt compromised? I guess right here in New York. Right here in New York, you could have compromised yourself and fell into the industry and fell in and been and been devoured. Somebody asked me recently, um, did I ever feel scared when I was at the source? Mm when they were having all that beef. Right. And I said, no. I said, no, but I probably should have been scared. Cause you know, if, if, if you're the only person in a room without a bulletproof vest on, then you should probably take notice mm. or take heed, right? But I don't know, I just, I, I was, I don't know. I grew up in the Bronx, you know, I lost friends. Like by the time I was 15, I lost friends to gun violence. Like, you know, I heard, shots on the street like the, I, I was immune to a lot of things that when I think back now I'm like oh my god my, I would hate for my kids to be in that situation you know what I'm saying like that's yeah. how I think about it now I'm like what if my kids were at a club and they started shooting meanwhile that was at all the clubs where they started shooting it was like ah what hangs the door get on the floor like whatever it, it was it's not funny but I'm laughing. I, I don't know why I'm laughing. I would have thought you would have been more in danger, not even in New York, but like in a Miami setting, in a LA setting, where you are kind of out of your... You know what story I told? Tell I'm going to tell you when I was scared. Tell I me. just told this story last week to a publicist that I was talking about. I went to New Orleans in 2003 or something to do a story on Soldier Slim, mm -hmm. right? Mm. And he came to the hotel. I just told the story. He came to the hotel and we were doing the interview down at the bar, right? At one of the hotels. I forgot where we were staying at. It was me, him, the publicist, and another guy that was with him. He said, come on, I'm going to take you around and show you around, right? So of course, as a journalist, I'm in, I get in the car, I'm riding around, and the publicist, uh, Lulu, who I'm still very cool with, Lulu Cohen, you know, this Jewish woman from Queens, super cool. And she's like loving it. She's like, this is so cool. And I was like, I want to go back to the hotel right now. 
like mm. right now, immediately. I don't feel safe. I don't feel right. And he was laughing at me. He was like, you scared? And I was like, I don't like it. I, I don't know anything about New Orleans. I don't know this. Do you know a week later is when they killed him? Wow. Because sometimes you can feel the heat. Discernment. And I yep. felt it. I remember. And I was like, so my mind was blown because I was mm -hmm. like, I was just down there. And they you was feeling that energy. You the was feeling energy that energy outside. Crazy. The yeah. energy was crazy. And I, and I felt it. And so, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Like, I guess I say that to say sometimes you can just tell. And then, like, most of the yeah. time I was at the source. I never thought about it like that. I was comfortable. I never was scared. You know, mm -hmm. even though there was beef, there were offices getting shot at. You know, there were people coming up there with their briefcases. And we knew what was in the briefcase. But I didn't feel like that. If I would have felt like that, I would have skated, which is what I did in New Orleans. I was like, I need to go back to the hotel right now. Like, mm. so. Being, with the, being a part of the source came with great responsibility. Yeah. You know, then, right? being that that was the Bible of the culture, mm -hmm. people <clears throat> had the expectations for you guys to always champion a certain artist or a certain movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a distance, when you read it, you're like, damn, man, it, they must be going through it. You know, they got beef with artists and other mags and whatever, you know? Yeah. I remember Mace called me beefing with me. Wow. I mean, we're cool now. Yeah, I wouldn't think. But I remember after that review, I wrote of Double Up. Do you guys remember that album? No. No. Barely. That's yeah. the second one? What, what did it... What did it get? What did it get? Mike, what was the mic rating on that? So the mic Three. rating, which I was not responsible for, I was merely a freelance writer. <laughs> right. Without a vote. Was the mic rating was two and a half? Oof. Oh, I called it. God damn. And nobody. Okay. And now I remember this as, as as a young like when you read. What was the single on that one? Was two and a half generous? Was two and a half being generous? <laughs> no. Wasn't that a a double album? Bro, if you had a three and a half. You were sus. Was that a double album? You had to have four, and that was four was yeah. the benchmark. Two and a half is disrespectful. Yeah, yeah but hold on and for I've a second. Had this, I've had this conversation. Matter of fact, I just finished listening to this conversation. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> the mind squad. What's that? What's Damn. That? Oh, wow. Ooh, whoa, whoa. Wow. In this tape, right? Because yeah. I was transcribing these for a project. In this tape, we talk about how important the mic ratings were. Yep. And, you know, I'm actually debating certain things and I say something that I believed back then and he corrects me. And when I listen to it now, I'm like, oh, he was right. Cause mm. I say in that tape, gosh, I wish I had the transcript cause I actually transcribed it. I tell him like, you know, we're, we're going back and forth over the mics and I forgot who had gotten a three and a half, one of the, you know, 12 MCs nine, 10, 11, whoever it was, right? And someone mm -hmm. had gotten three and a half and they were talking about, and I said, yeah, you're judged against, you know, like there's all these things that you're judged against and you're kind of judged against your last project as well. And he kind of tells me, he's like, how can you do that? And the way that he, you know, kind of phrases, like you can't judge my project against my last project. You got to judge it against what's going on in the space now. Because if you read the magazine and you have all of these things rated, and this was before I was the editor in chief, this was like that, that I, I had just gotten to the source, you know, but if you look at, if, if somebody gets a three and then someone else gets a three and a half, you know, but mm -hmm. really 
you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, a, a very big difference just in the material and, and how much better something is. Like it's not fair, mm. right? And that was that conversation in there. Like that conversation was all about, you can't judge us off of, you know, what we did, you know, in 92, 93. You got to judge this now. It was a, it was mm. a, very, a very deep interview when, when we were talking about the mics. But I think with Double Up, going back to that and how I got on this topic, right? Like for him to have such a huge success with his first album, Harlem World, right. right? For that to be, you know, platinum, a platinum album with a bunch of hits. And then to go to the album the, the, that he put out, the sophomore album, we used to call it Sophomore Jinx, right? Because yep. no one yep. could ever match up to if they put out a classic. And his whole energy change, right? And it was like, I remember my review being written. I was like, you know, everybody kind of clowned Shiny Soup Mace, but Shiny Soup Mace wasn't really that bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what we wanted from him, right? I and remember that review. Up, right, Double Up, we, we didn't get that. We got Murder Mace, but we didn't buy platinum albums of Murder Mace, no matter how good he right. was, because he really was a great rapper. Yep. And so I put that in the review and the review ran and I got a phone call. I'll never forget. He called. I was, I was, matter of fact, Dallas, I was, I was at a bar review course for the first time I was taking the bar. It was in 99. Mm -hmm. And he called my phone. And I'll tell you guys a little secret. You guys know Riggs Morales? Absolutely. Yep. Shout out to Rigoberto. Riggs, had, we used to, like, prank each other. So Riggs has voices. If you ever get Riggs on here, have him do somebody's voice. Probably not going to do it, right? But... <laughs> So Riggs would call my phone sometimes pretending to be shine. You know, we used to do that to people at the source. We used to do it. I think we used to do it to Jerry Barrow. I think we might've got Jerry Barrow on the guru voice once. I don't think he knows. Wow. <laughs> wow. If you get Jerry on here, you tell him I, yeah. I confess. <laughs> we called him once as guru and had a whole conversation with him as guru. <laughs> I like, believe you can, you can catch Jerry like that. Because Jerry is a square. Shouts to Jerry Barrow. He's a good dude. Jerry, I just blew up the spot. I don't think Jerry knows we called him as guru one day, right? Yeah, that's crazy. It was, it was So we used to do shit like that. So when I got the call, it was Mace. I was like, somebody's playing with my phone. Like, you know, mm. like, who is this? You know, mm -hmm. what, what do you want? Who's right, playing right. with the phone? But then the more I talked, the more I realized it was really him. And I had he called. I saw his number. I had one of them big gray Motorola phones. And it was him, and, and, and he was not happy with his review. But he was able to get at me because he knew people that, that knew me, you know? So, so as a so reader... What, what, what did he open? hope to gain by, by reaching you? I mean, it had already gone to print. Mm -hmm. it had That's already... what they do. But they always do that. All, yeah, back in that know. era, they would be mad. Know. And they probably, Kim, they probably felt that... I'm pretty sure they felt that they had a relationship with you guys. Yes. So they expected the favor, like, yo, yes. they're going to hold me down at least three and a yes. half. Because, you know, as a, as a reader, right, you open the source. The first thing, well, first thing I did, I went to the oh, back. There is I'm nothing more iconic than the microphone status. So I'm going to read the entire <laughs> magazine, but I'm going to the back. Right, and the before I, I know the releases that's coming out, the big, the big albums. So I'm like, yo, what they going to give? Right, what they going to give DMX? Oh, shit. What they going to give Nas? What they going to give Jay? And you see that, I think it was, for instance, they had, um, what was Nas' second album? Um, read it it was written. Back. It was written, got four <laughs> and a half. And I was tight. Did it get four mm. and a half? It got four and a half because 
they had the whole argument about how did it deserve lose. that? Hey, listen. Yeah, this it deserves January more than that. You think right? it was written deserves a five? Yes, now, yes. No, it doesn't. Actually, no, it actually, doesn't. Actually, no, they actually, <laughs> I, actually, no, it doesn't. But did they re-rate it? They re-rated that album. Well, they were wrong five, then, too. It deserves five. a four. Not four five? If that. Three and a half. Uh, it was really oh, there's a lot of not good music on that album. Let's be real. I'm not still enjoying the fact that you got you to read it from the back. Yes, you read it from the back. So, right? Like, so, yes. okay, so this is January 99, right? Like, there's the, that's the lead review. This is where most people started. What did Bobby work. Digital get? Right. Maybe that was what he was talking about. Three and a half? He got three and a half? That, that's so what, that, that was Bobby Digital right Maybe there? that's what he was talking about. Because that's January 99. And this tape is probably from after that. But he was right. He was right. Y'all gonna make me go back and listen to it after this interview. No, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Bobby, Bobby Digital didn't a, deserve more than three and a half. Bobby Digital is, is, is <laughs> heavy concept. Bobby Digital is heavy concept. Look, I love Wu, but that album is not... <laughs> it, it has experimented. It's got it a couple joints on it. It's not a couple. And I love Rizzo. He's my, one of my favorites, but... You know what I, I Bobby Digital was saying. You know what I say? I say all and I'm and I'm I stand by this. Mm. All answers to life are mm. hidden deep in the lyric of a Wu-Tang Clan album. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> deep. All of the answers to your life. And you go back now, you're like, you go back, right? And be like, oh shit, I didn't get it at first. Yo, the fuck this shit is is that true? And, and I learned that from listening to ODB. <laughs> That's my quote. Quote me. Don't steal my saying. That's my saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm stealing your shit. I'm stealing your shit. Kim, I'm stealing your shit and I'm putting it on Twitter right you, now. And you better quote me. I I'm say it, it all of Twitter, the time. Right? I say if you have a question about life and you don't know where to go and you need an answer, <laughs> you can go back quote and you. I will quote you for that. Clearly. I will quote you for that. You do get you you get the credit for that. You get the credit for that. Give me my Dope. credit. Bro, can you imagine Dope. if they had the mic system Dope. now? What if they had the <laughs> mic system now? Kim, what was your first hip hop experience? Because you you at you're at you're at that sweet spot where when you grew up, hip hop, when you came out, hip hop wasn't around. Hip hop yeah. was just being developed. I was born in the year that hip hop was born. Ooh. I was. So it's still being formulated as you're being formulated, as you're being fed and nurtured. And yeah. before you went out, we're allowed to go out to the park. What yeah. did you listen to? Cindy Lauper. You seem like a little Cindy Lauper type chick. A little, a little, you know, girls just want to have fun. Everybody loves know. that song. That's a karaoke song. Okay, all right. You can't all right. go do karaoke without singing that. What about what about some Hall and Oats? You you had some Hall and Oats in your I in like your life. I like Hall and Oats. I like Hall and Oats. You know, I mean, my father listened to a lot of Motown music. Like he was heavy into like uh, he was into music. He had a lot of records. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I think that who's putting these? I just noticed the little check. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. 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 We we been... definitely listen to Lisa Lisa and Coke. That wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to the We've chat. We've been talking about your eyebrows in the chat all, 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 all so long. Oh, see, I didn't know the chat was there. I could do that, too. I could do this. Let's go. We've so been, um, been, somebody said, Lisa, been talking Lisa, about you I did love Lisa, Lisa. Hmm? 
I said, I said, no, we've been talking about you all day long. But yeah, Lisa, see, I want to know, I want to know what is little Kimmy like that that puts you on this trajectory that that first of all, just the fact that you would go to Fordham. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, you're from the Bronx, but Fordham is like, yo, that's like the pinnacle. That's a super reach. Yeah, you know, the Fordham thing was hard. Like my whole college, law school, all that stuff is hard. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just was like, just, I didn't want to leave the Bronx, you know, like I had a little boyfriend at the time. So instead of thinking that I was going to, you know, go and experience college life, I wanted to stay close to home. That was dumb. It's always dumb, you know, when you're chasing some boy. And that was bad, okay? Mm. But I went to Fordham, right? And mm. I don't, I didn't really experience college life at Fordham because after my second year, I decided I really wanted to get into the music industry. So I went and switched my studies tonight and started to work in the daytime. I got a head start and mm. um, started working at BMG Distribution. I started interning at Profile Records. Like I started to really figure out what, um, you know, what I wanted to do. So you was moving to that. I, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to understand what pointed you in that direction. What, what has you... What? I was on the Grand Concourse. Are you serious right now? How close to, how close to Concourse Village? I lived on 165th and Grand Concourse. That was where I lived up until I was eight years old. When I was eight, I moved to Castle Hill. So, you know, that was like the time in the Bronx. Like the music was there. We were outside like playing, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a fire in my building every week. You remember that in the Bronx? Like you just became accustomed to like the knock on the door. Like somebody would just bang on the door. And it was like, my mother used to open the door. I used to be like fire. She'd be like, okay, let me get my hair done. Go to the bathroom, get her hair done. There's a story. There's a story about my mom getting a knock on the door when I was about five years old. The guy, he knocked, you know, everyone in the building knew each other. He knocked on the door. My mother walked away from the door, like no urgency for her. It's a fire. She don't see the smoke. She's like, I'll get down there when I get down there. And the guy grabbed me and took me downstairs. So she was actually upstairs looking for me. Oh, wow. shit. <laughs> Until he, the boy had had it. He was like a 13 or 14 year old boy. He had had it with my mom. I think he was just like, I'm taking this girl and I'm gonna save a life, <laughs> you know? So there was like a, a fire in my build. It, it was like, you know, 165th and Grand Con Concourse. And the couple, couple blocks from the stadium, couple blocks from the whole, the whole mix, yeah. Yeah, you could see the games from the roof. We used to go yep. on the roof and watch the Yankee games. Yep, and you got, so, you got, the, you got the bookings right there. Yep. Bronx house, right, right, a few blocks away. Yeah, yeah. You said the bookings right there. I was four. Well, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was five I, years old. You're like, and then Central Booking was around the corner. But I guess I, I was familiar because I don't mm -hmm. like in the past. I would not talk about uh, what my father did. You know, because mm -hmm. I was I was raised to not tell anyone what my father did for a living. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a number runner. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, now that I'm older and nothing's gonna happen to him you know i say it freely but i still kind of stutter when i talk about it i'm like oh, oh my father um owned the grocery store you know because it wasn't something like i went through my entire life you know my school life when they would ask and what does you know what does your dad do and you know it was like he um works he's, on he's good at math he's, an he's good yeah <laughs> he's good so, at math <laughs> yeah he, he ran the numbers and so i was familiar with central booking mm, dig it dig it yeah 
I had a little tell short him I'm saying that. That's horrible. He'd be like, wow, why are you saying that now? Well, he don't care. He's good. <laughs> no, nah, he's, he's good. good. He's good. He's good. He's good. So, so okay, boom. All right. I see the mix that you're in. I, I just, I want some watershed moments. I want some songs. I want something that tips you and just sends you like, 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 what did you play on repeat? When I was like, what, really? 13, when you were 13. 13 year old Kim. No, hold on, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not 13. 12 year old Kim. Cause you're in the Bronx now. I'm in the Bronx, but I'm like, was I in high school at 12? Wait, like eighth grade, what's that, seventh? You, you was probably running with the older kids. I see, I see. That's like paid in full days, right? Like. Listen, 88 is the best year of hip hop and 93 is the second best year. Mm. You know, 88. Public enemy. 94, 94, 93, 94. It's like debatable. The kid kid from Queens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people. 93, 94. I mean, 18 years old. A masterpiece. Mm. You know, Mm. hip hop was still going through a transition and here comes this kid. And again, back to the mic rating. The mic rating, the, that five mic was so heralded, and when Nas caught that, I was about the to bar, say, Nas the bar, said, huh? it went, huh? <laughs> yes, again? Yes. He said, she said I, I, Nas, Dan. I, mean, I like, I like Stan, a lot of yes. people, but I'm just talking about, she said 94, so that, I just. 94, it was one of the albums in that time period that I feel like changed the course of, you know, the music. Snoop. For me, kind of like my coming of age, 88. Right, you have EPMD, you have Paid in Full, you have KRS One, Coogee Rap, you know, Kane, mm-hmm. 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 Kane, right? Like that was that year, and it and it was all flourishing at the same time, right? Super high energy, super like like just an incredible sound. I mean, when you think about Public Enemy and you think about KRS and, and and that production, even the EPMD production, it's just it's just moving and it's right. loud and it's like like. That energy, mm-hmm. that's that energy. So, so you're like, yo, I gotta be, I gotta be a part of this thing, somehow, some way. Did you ever? Were you ever rap? Were you ever a right, rapper? Like, you mean when I was a teenager, I wanted to be mm-hmm. down. That's what you, yeah, that was you. Yes. Um, well, it was all of us. I, I, I want to know what your rapper name was. What was your rapper name? Probably Special K. Mm-hmm. Because remember the break-in movie? She took my name. <laughs> <laughs> She was older than you, though. Yeah, but I was in the fifth grade at that time. So we did like a, I remember we did a break dance performance in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Big in the school. It was real big. I was part of that. Yeah, we used to have break dance Fridays. They used to let us break dance in the gym. Special K. Okay, okay. So, so I wish I could go I, back and change it. I don't like it anymore. Well, I mean, you, you grew out of it. You grew out of it. Mm-hmm. We, we all, I mean, listen, I couldn't dance. I was a horrible dancer. You couldn't I dance? A, I mean, I can dance, but Queens? I can't. Are you from Queens? Because Queens can't really dance like that. Well, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Ding, 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 ding. No, 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 no. Queens? Queens, ding, ding, Queens, ding. Queens, Queens runs you niggas. Queens no, runs no. all you niggas. Listen, listen. <laughs> Yo, no, no, no. Queens, Queens runs all you niggas. Queens? I guess that because you can't dance. You no, no, always no, 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 take a club and just stood on the side. Like, what are y'all doing? No, 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 no. When I say. When I say can't dance, I mean in the sense that, like, like super poppity pop lock. I yeah. mean, I, I got. Yeah, please, because you guys always thought you were cooler. 
Like that's, if, my yeah. point. My point is that we was always cooler than 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 like dusty, dirty Bronx and Brooklyn cats. Hey, yeah, hey, 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 hey. Hey, you saying. from Brooklyn? Yes, ma'am. Brooklyn, Queens. What about Ben over here? Houston. I was gonna guess out of town. Yeah. You know who I was gonna guess out of town? Cause he's like this into borough craziness. I don't even understand. Or get no, it. I didn't know. It just, it sounds like mo most New York things. It's just like, oh, that's cute. You know, yes, that's, so, that's, that's, a, that's how oh, that's, that, that's so cute. You know, oh, look at y'all arguing over, you know, boroughs. Oh, wow. Like the whole no, world no, but, is still in New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's still but, 94. Hold on, hold on, hold on Houston had wards. <laughs> Houston had wards. So Houston, you, they had to no, deal but that's, with No, no, see, you're missing my point there, Dallas. We, when, see, that's the problem. New Yorkers always thought the world was centered around y'all, and true. the rest I'm of just, us were I'm just, just like, true. That's true. That's true. We, had, we had boroughs and counties. Like there were only the five boroughs. Like, yes. We had boroughs yeah. and counties. Like, but but y'all from New York. Wards. <laughs> yeah, like like y'all cats had wards. Yeah, we got like, wards. But Bird. that wasn't like a, a, like a thing ward. that was faced. Not to not like, to cut like, you like, off. That sounds like orphans. Like orphans grow up in a ward. No, but see, I'm Southside, baby. Don't 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 get it twisted. Hold on, that's oh, what we no... faced at the source, Dallas. You know, that's that was a big critique of the yes. coverage of the magazine. They were like, it's too New York centric. That's why yep. Yep. it was important to have Southern correspondents, West Coast correspondents, West Coast editors. Like we, mm -hmm. we started to diversify um, the staff like that because. We didn't. We didn't get it all the time. At no, because Southern playlists needed a five mites. Right. Still. Right. So, yeah. it, so, and, and that's reflective on the Source Awards. <laughs> we had the, the first, the first Source Awards, right? When you see Andre three thousand. I love and that. I and love he's that talking moment. about like, yo, y'all don't, you know, because his diet is uh, Southern draw moments like when Ever. he gets up there he's like you know South got something, something to say, to say. South got something to say. Moments. one of my favorite yes. moments ever yeah. did you go to the after party at the palladium for that source award yeah i don't think that that's what 96 i wasn't I, I mean, down I, I couldn't i didn't have the access like that back then i didn't get to the source till 2000 i didn't start really really writing for the magazine till like 98. okay okay uh, that, okay Okay. It was Club Envy on a Sunday, you know. Mm -hmm. It was it was like where the crowd was, but or or I'm just trying to think of tunnel, like you know, you went to spots, but I I didn't have the access like that up until probably '98. Trust me, I didn't have the access either. I was outside. I was I, I was outside on the sidewalk when everything popped in. off. I, I mean, listen, I didn't have access either, but I I used to be up at the spots. I just couldn't get inside. So I'd I hang out outside. Able, when I went, I would get I would definitely get in. I definitely would finagle my way in or knew someone. But yeah. you know, sometimes you just didn't know what what it was going. I know after that source awards, I definitely wasn't there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Damn, 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 damn. Good yeah, times, that's the other man. thing too. That's the other thing too. That that you're you're also talking about like like ninety-eight to two two thousand five New York. And and the last that's the end of the last great club era. Is and it? when I say, I feel like it is because I I I am thinking of, of clubs from two thousand like six and beyond. Everything is bottle service. Every you know, I mean, for players I guess it's great, but for regular people mixing with you know celebrities, the crowd, yeah, yeah, that's over with. Everyone is now segregated. So there's super VIP sections, and and that's it. Before it was very egalitarian in, in inside the club, where 
everybody was mixing with everybody. Well, remember, part like throwing parties was a big part of the culture back then. I don't feel like it's like that anymore. I don't know what they do in its place, but like, mm. you know, a lot of the people who who got their industry jobs came through like party promoting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like the big party promoters were the ones or the people who were at the door. You you came to know that person. They became industry celebrities if they worked the door of a certain party. And right. You know, you know, then they became label execs. So. Yep. Yep. In time. Damn. Damn. Good times. Good times. Good times. Okay. Fuck. Fuck that. Fuck that. That's all. That's that's what under the bridge. We're past that now. We're past that. We're Boss man forward. said rock him or Big Daddy Kane. Rock him. Depends. It depends what you want. What do you want to get? Rakim is the paradigm shift, but Big Daddy Kane is the consummate performer. To this day, uh, I mean, you I will enjoy. Choose. Yeah, I can't choose. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what it's what you want at that moment. It's what mm-hmm. vitamin you need at that moment. Mm-hmm. Do you need this this contemplative rapper Rakim, where you literally had to write shit down that this guy was saying? I understand? Yeah. You know, and and Kane is just like yo, he's an incredible performer. I, I, I'm impressed that Kane, even at this day, performs on on a uh, on an energetic level that he did, you know, from 1988, from 1986 in Latin quarters. Yeah, he's insane. You know his showmanship, his 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 stage presence. So it's I mean it depends it depends what you need. I I do not like the debate when we have to choose one artist over the other. Me because, neither. You know it's it's like vitamin C. Or vitamin A. Listen, sometimes, you know, I'm deficient. Right, right. You need both. Sometimes you need a little more A, you know. Sometimes you need some vitamin D. Are you getting enough vitamin D, Kim? Absolutely not. I am vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got to get you outside, Kim. Mm -hmm. We got to get you outside so you can get some vitamin D. Yes, absolutely. All right. Internet, talk nice. Okay, talk nice. Talk nice. Talk nice, making sure everybody talks nice. Cause wait, where's you, the where's the slick talk? Cause I love addressing that. See, that was the thing. That's how we switched it up on you. We didn't want to. We didn't want to. Oh, bring you in here. I'm missing a chat box. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he just he just giving a fair warning. Like, don't don't try nothing crazy. Right. We we didn't want we didn't want we didn't want to be all funky with you. I mean, honestly, we needed we needed some energy. We needed some beauty. No, no, it's fine. This podcast. I, I I can handle whatever. I'm good. Like I never cower. So you can bet, say whatever. Bet, you bet. Kimmy from Kimmy from the Bronx. So all right, then so then so then, then let's get slick then, Kimmy. Let's don't get, get slick. Don't do it. Hashtag. Let's get slick. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. I just won't will answer. Do if it? I don't want to answer. Hashtag. Will he do it? All right. <laughs> will he do it? Don't um, do it. Don't do it. This is hashtag. Will he do it? <laughs> the the game now. Okay. The game, uh, music industry. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on it? Because I mean, everything now is is predicated on this principle of streams, right? Physical copies for anything have been so diminished. Matter of fact, I think this is like the first year. Actually, it was the first year that vinyl records outsold cds i know i love vinyl though my daughter started collecting vinyl isn't that cool Mm. i got in the car the other day right because sometimes i play my music like i can just play it in the background when i'm working 
and she'll start rapping the song. So the other day, I think it was, she, I heard her say, stab your brain with your nose bone. I said, who taught you? Who taught you that lyric? And she's like, mom, I know, you know? <laughs> and I was she's like, digging. Oh. She's digging in the mob archives. Okay, that's what's no, up. No, no. That's what's She's up. She's digging. So I got in the car the other day. She was listening to Big L. I took a picture of the screen. I couldn't believe it. I wow. I'm turning you on to all this music because I never really kind of educated her on that. She just found it. She just went back. Like she can wow. give you a whole spiel on like, you know, Takashi 6ix9ine and, you know, why he's not good for the music and like, mm. she can go into it. So I didn't teach her. I can't take credit for that. You know what I'm saying? Like she just, DNA. Take the take the DNA credit. She just went and and found everything. These vinyl things on her wall. Like she's got a record player. Like you know, because the vinyl you hear it differently. Yeah. Different. Mm -hmm. The music is different. Mm -hmm. So you yep. know, she she just picked it up and she started, you know, I guess doing her own research. So you know, that, listen, I don't know. Stab your brain with your nose bone. I said. That was a little like, wow, like, I didn't know how, how do you know Shook Ones, you know? How do you know that? It's 94. It's another great 94 album. Mm -hmm. Damn. Damn, she pulled that out way out. That's dope. That is dope, though. That's, that's dope how you see your kids got it by osmosis, just being around you. I didn't even have to teach her about stab your brain, with your nose bone. Just you being know? around you. Do you <laughs> just you know being how important that you? lyric is? <laughs> to hip hop. Well, well so, so much shit he said. So much shit he said. Dab your brain with your nose bone. Yo, P would throw a TV at yeah, you. Bravo. Crazy. Bravo. TV at you crazy. Bravo. I say that shit to this day. Dab your brain with your nose bone. Well, throw throw a TV at you. But I mean, P had P had stupid lines. P had yeah. the P had the most ridiculous. Like like just when you when you. Like a motherfucker piss you off, throw a TV at you. Crazy. <laughs> and, and this was back when TVs was TVs. Yeah. Like a flat yeah. screen now, you can throw a flat screen at somebody. Right. Yeah, yeah. With a big old back. The big Wait. two, like, yo, yo. And a sharp antenna. Yeah. <laughs> facts, facts, facts. facts. <laughs> Kim, I don't want to hold you hostage here. We, this is fun. What, what's, I, what's our runtime, Kim? I have anywhere to go. Like? Huh? Oh, uh, I, I was talking yeah. to King, find out what our what our runtime was because typically we, we over an hour. We have the pod rock for about an hour. And, oh, um, we went over an hour. This is awesome. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So we went what over we do hour. too, Kim? So just so you know, because normally outside pre quarantine, we would do this in the studio, and then we would release oh. it. But we wouldn't do the Zoom. So now you know, because of quarantine, we zoom it up, and then we we were gonna release the episode maybe next week and uh, on the schedule. Like the real, real release. So, yep. Next week, next week for your new year, for your birthday. And Twitch too. Shout out to Twitch. Oh, this is my birthday present. I, I mean, listen, it, this is your new year. You're not being birthed again. You, you're getting a, you're getting a brand new year, Kim, to do brand something brand new you've never done. All right, that's the challenge. That's the challenge I'm giving you, sis. I want you to do something in this new year you've never done before. I've never done. Nothing. Go somewhere you've never been. You know, do something good for yourself you've never done for yourself before. New Boom. name alert. What'd you say? What New name it? alert. I uh, vitamin K. Vitamin K. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, my uh, God. Shit, shit, shit. Internets, man, we got blessed today. Kim yeah. Osorio, uh, editor-in-chief of the universe, okay? Her universe and showing us how we can win in this universe. All right? Entertainment executive, TV producer, developer, uh, visualist, artist, Bronxite, Instagram model, sometimes, on the weekend. Culture, sh culture shifter. Ever? Ever Instagram model? No Instagram modeling? Okay, I mean, pass I've that. Pass. A selfie or two, but I'm not really, you know, I don't know. No. Like the the Instagram is a little. It's a it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, like a lot of self. Look at me. Me and my girlfriend Rhonda call it the Look at Me Olympics. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. But I'm just saying that we deserve, as as fans of yours, we deserve a throwback um, bikini oh, Miami bikini pic. Yes. A a bikini pick. A throwback joint. Come on. Come on. I mean, a current one. Fine. I'm just saying the fans deserve it, Kim. We've been around for a long time. We've we fucked with you for years and years. Loving your glow up. Hook Thank us up, you. okay? But Hook she, us up she, with that. Wait for it. Will oh, she do it? it. Ah. Internet. <laughs> Will she do it? <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Thank you for the time, sis. Thank you. Thank and you, Kim. Love, salute. Blessings to you, blessings to you, love. And, and keep glowing, keep glowing. Thank you, this was fun. Internets, Jenkins & Jenkins has offices in your community. We speak your language. We accept your style of payment. EBT, debit card, food stamps. We even have a layaway program. You need law, you need Jenkins & Jenkins. Redes, Jenkins & Jenkins tienen oficinas en tu comunidad. Hablamos tu idioma, aceptamos todo forma de pago, efectivo. Layaway, EBT, full stamps, bloque sea. With your first consultation, we'll give you a chopped cheese sandwich. We're Jenkins and Jenkins. We're in your community. Jenkins and Jenkins, abogado de la ley, 1800-223-9797. Hooray!